You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I am Jessica. I'm Carissa. We are doing a topic that we've done previously, (laughs) which Chris is really excited about. But at JCN Clinic, you might have seen in our socials that we are doing SIBO month. So we're going to be sharing a lot about SIBO as a topic, deep diving in pretty hardcore. So I wanted to use the podcast also to revisit this topic but previously we've talked about SIBO itself and treatment and when we did an update on SIBO and treatment but this was more about the concept of recurrent or reoccurring SIBO which stubborn SIBO I like it someone (laughs) has already uh, a few people that had already asked about it in our socials as far as like oh really keen to see what you guys are doing this month because I feel like I follow a protocol and take supplements and do the diet. But as soon as I deviate from that, then everything flares back up again. And there's definitely a um, sort of, I feel like a really well-known, what we'd say concept, I don't know what you would call it, that there is this thing as recurrent SIBO or reoccurring SIBO. People who have clients, don't you find, that have, learn a little bit about it they're always really scared about that that they're just like well, yeah. but doesn't it come back yeah definitely and I think it's a, it's such a hard one to call and that's what I say to like especially if it's a new client that's coming to you and SIBO it's, again it depends on the client but you have clients that have been working with other practitioners working on their SIBO and they come to you and yes they might have already had recurrent SIBO or they've never really gone into remission and come back they've just they've kind of been stuck in a bit of a spot or you have these you have new clients coming to you with gut issues where nothing's actually being diet formally diagnosed and then we're diagnosing the SIBO um but when they do their own reading or if they're already well versed and they come to come to us and they think look I think we've I've got SIBO and you go through the stuff with them and do some testing you're like yes it definitely sounds like it or we can see that on testing but then they're petrified of this like even if I do all this work is it going to come back and that's that's definitely an answer that you can't you can't give like you can't give a definitive yes or no like if we do all of this work you're going to be a hundred percent better with SIBO it's just one of those little fuckers <laughs> <laughs> of a thing to treat where they the the light at the end of the tunnel varies so differently for people so mm-hmm based think, on so many other things that we'll probably talk about. So Yeah, exactly. And that's what we mm. want to dive into is the reason that this can happen and why um, perhaps it happens more so than it should be happening. Um, mm. I think just to quickly define, I think it's pretty obvious, but yes, recurrent or recurring SIBO, what we mean by that is that you're being diagnosed with SIBO, you've treated SIBO and you felt like you're getting better. And then as we're saying, you just feel like it comes back. And people can have gone through this multiple times where they just feel like they're chasing their tail and they just kind of like have these good periods of feeling well and then they feel crappy again. So that's what we mean by that. But what we want to talk about is why this can occur 
and there's lots of different reasons that we want to dive into. But I think the first thing, as you were just highlighting there, is that it's not a linear process in general. Like nah. this, this is kind of outside <laughs> of just even SIBO. No. <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting that SIBO is being tagged with this like recurrent or recurring factor when I would think I would step back from that and talk about the whole gut health space yeah. or generally health in general of the fact that it's not linear. Like you're not yep. generally going to take someone from feeling crap to well in this beautiful linear line like there's going to be ups and downs depending on what's occurring and other underlying causes but don't you think it's weird that it has become I mean I guess there's reasons which we'll talk about with SIBO but don't you think it's interesting that it's like almost an expectation with SIBO but when it comes to anything else it's like why aren't I better I should be better yeah 100 percent yeah but I also think too like I have this chat with my clients um like just about the nature of the gut microbiome in general, like whether we're talking about SIBO, whether we're talking about non-celiac gluten sensitivity or even celiac disease, like anything to do with the gut microbiome, it's it's never straightforward. And yeah. I have massive chats with my clients about them and me as part of their team getting mm. to understand their gut. Like, yeah. and you know, sometimes it, for some clients that takes years, like, so you know, and just, you know, working out what the strengths are, what the weaknesses are, what your, what your triggers are and not even triggers from a food point of view, like triggers from a stress and a lifestyle point of view. Like there's, there's just so much that comes into gut treatment, but even for us as practitioners, and this is what I say to my clients, like we don't have 100% perfect guts. Like we are, we're still learning about our own gut microbiomes. We're still working on our own guts. Like, yes, we have definitely probably already sludged through the trenches and done a lot of the hard work. I'm definitely going to say you and I have done that. We've done yeah. gut gut treatments. We, we understand like what works for our gut and what doesn't, but it still doesn't mean that we have all the fucking answers. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I know, and this is what I say to my clients, like I, I can think I'm doing everything right under the sun and I'm having a great week. I'm doing all that or a great couple of weeks where I'm doing all the things I know that work and I haven't deviated once. And then for whatever reason, I get a bit of constipation and bloating. And I'm yeah. like, where the fuck have you come from? Like, <laughs> hey, this is not right right now. <laughs> but, but even, so even for someone who I feel like for me, like I have a really, I've quite a good relationship with my gut. I understand her and what she needs, but it's still not a, it's still not a, just a straightforward mm. onwards and upwards direction ever. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. and so much of that shifts and changes over time. And it's the same with SIBO. Like SIBO is obviously a lot more complex, um, than yeah. some of the other gut conditions, but actually, uh, yes and no. Actually, I know, right? Yeah, like yeah. fuck histamines, oxalates. Like you dive down those rabbit holes, like bloody hell. Like it's yeah. it's all pretty complex. But anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. And there, we did a podcast on there's no such thing as a perfect gut, which is yes. a good one to flag there because, as you say, things are going to happen. I always think of that diagram or that little meme that it's not really a meme I don't know whatever you call those things on Instagram little tile (laughs) and it's like the health journey as a line and then it has like that squiggly knot and then it kind of keeps moving like that's that's how I like to think about it as far as when you're working on your health because we get those little squiggly knots too and sometimes Mm. they just happen and you're just like what's going on so yeah, I think that's that's a good podcast for us to refer to as far as what we mean by the this concept of perfection. But to talk about SIBO specifically, with, yeah. uh, why these things can occur, I think the first thing to talk about is the SIBO protocol itself before we talk about 
other factors on top of that. So when when there is a SIBO presentation, there's a protocol that we would usually follow, which would include a certain way of eating to essentially starve off and reduce the growth of the bacteria. And then alongside that, there would be a protocol as far as supplements or antibiotics, depending on who you're seeing, that would play a role into that. And the first thing is like how this protocol itself is done is one of the most important factors. Like you can't, you can't go into this. Well, this is what I see and I'm sure you're the same. You can't go into treating SIBO with the thought of like, I'm just going to throw a course of rifaximin at this and I'm not going to change anything about my diet. I'm not going to address anything else going on in with my gut um, and expect to come out the other end of that and for things to probably not reoccur. If you're a lucky one, Mm. it might just do the job. But if you're not... If you're not doing more of an intensive dive into your gut health, um, even the SIBO itself, then that's one reason why I know I see clients that will come and go, oh, I've just had recurrent SIBO. It's like, well, what have you done? It's like, oh, I've just been taking courses of rifaximin or mm-hmm. I've just been taking XY supplements, but I really haven't done much with my food. Or conversely, they might have been trying to do stuff just with their diet, been in a really restrictive phase with that. But when you look at what they've been doing with their supplementation protocol, and you're like, that's not going to do the trick. Like that, yeah. there's there's no alignment there for what we want as a base. I think the biggest thing is too is, and this is what I explain to people with SIBO and when we're treating SIBO, well, any sort of gut condition is that we need a baseline and we need to be able to establish cause and effect when we get to that, after we get from that baseline. But what we also, um, what we also need it, like I, I use the word strategic treatment a lot, um, with my clients. And it's because you and I obviously have our strategy for treating SIBO, but it's not a set protocol. Mm -hmm. Um, it's obviously so down to what we think that person needs, but sometimes you'll have people come to you and they're like, I've listened to your podcast. I I've listened to the SIBO doctor, or I've, I've been to different practitioners. I've done all the things I'm meant to do. Mm. And like you said, they might've been doing the SIBO biphasic diet, taking some supplements, taking some prebiotics, but it's not it, it also comes down to the strategy of how this all plays out as to whether or not it's going to be effective or how effective it is in treating SIBO. And I think that's the other thing too, is that people are doing bits and bobs or bits and bobs together, like obviously trying to do the best thing for their health. But mm. when you actually understand treating SIBO and working with the diet and working with the supplements, it's not doing everything at once. There's an, mm. there's a distinct strategy and a reason as to why we do things the way we do them. And quite often, I think that strategy is, I think, like overlooked. And obviously there's online, if you Google SIBO treatment protocols, there's some, there's some pretty black and white protocols that you can follow and some pretty black Mm. and white diets, but it has to be done in conjunction with someone who understands your gut as much as they can, Mm. but also understands the reason behind why you're using certain things and implementing certain dietary strategies. Otherwise you're doing the wrong things at the wrong time. And that's why you're not seeing results. Yeah. Uh, I think a classic one for that is people that are put on prebiotics at the start of their SIBO treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see that a lot? Like I've seen that quite a few times come through where I don't think the practitioner is doing 
the wrong thing or the person who's trying to treat themselves as doing the wrong thing essentially i just don't think they understand the nature of what's going on for them and putting yeah. prebiotics into a highly active SIBO guard as yeah. long as, as alongside antimicrobials with no LPS support. Like there's just so many ways that SIBO can not be treated effectively, if not made worse. Yeah. So absolutely. So true. She's hectic, mate. <laughs> she's the, a hectic little condition. <laughs> the other area you just brought up there, which sort of expands this a little bit further is once we acknowledge the protocol of SIBO itself and what's, suitable for you as an individual Mm. is then thinking about the fact that SIBO isn't just a finite condition on its own like it's so easy with SIBO for people to get locked in and just think only about SIBO and to forget that we're also dealing with the microbiome as well Mm. as far as the lower bowel and the whole synergistic relationship of that intestinal tract from mouth to anus like well you know and people (laughs) I I feel like there's this narrow tunnel vision and as you just said you know what's going on for you there yes there is a positive SIBO test but what does that mean for you in respect to what's going on with the entirety of your microbiome what's going on with your enzyme production and your gut function overall and I think that's really important because I think, yeah, SIBO and even just if we tie in the FODMAP diet with SIBO, it just gets pigeonholed as well, this is it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if exactly right, when you consider the entire gut microbiome and I know like I have this conversation with clients, for example, um, we were just talking about this before where like they might've been treating their own SIBO or they're going through stuff and they're like, well, you got me off gluten. Mm-hmm. Um, but according to SIBO and or a FODMAP app, gluten's fine. It's like, well, we're looking at the microbiome as a whole here. Like we're not, Mm. yes, if we're just specifically looking at SIBO through a FODMAP lens Mm. or FODMAP through FODMAPs through a SIBO lens, essentially, yeah, go for gold with gluten. But what we're trying to do is actually, you know, restore health to your entire gut microbiome. And what we know about gluten by nature is that it is pro-inflammatory to some degree in most people's, you know, microbiomes or in their gastrointestinal tract. So, as a totality for us trying to treat someone, we're not just looking specifically at the the food sourced drivers of SIBO. We're looking at what else is potentially driving inflammation here. Like what else are potential overlaps? Like, do you have some issues with histamines or, you know, there's, so there's again, yeah, like, mm. yeah, that's just, I was just agreeing with you in a long way. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to start talking a bit more about these. Oh gosh, we needed to address that, but then the other massive area is why other factors might come into this because, again, SIBO can get pigeonholed, particularly in a client's brain or thought pattern as being, I have SIBO, it's all about the SIBO. But often SIBO is a cause of something else. The reason it happens is often because of some form of disarray <laughs> elsewhere Mm, Um, yes there can be other factors that can lead to it just occurring on its own but with these more reoccurrent conditions or reoccurring so much other stuff going on exactly so the first thing i wanted to talk about is motility i don't feel like (laughs) it gets i literally thought you were going to say mold (laughs) no motility (laughs) there's a bit of a joke at the moment that jess is mold obsessed because she is I'll find a way to say, I'll find a way to weave it in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
good. I literally thought that's where you're going straight away. I was it's like, so, <laughs> it's like no, that, motility. That'd, that'd be cruel. No motility. It doesn't. It's so. Well it's interesting because it's such a big part of SIBO. I think Fucking for practitioners to, but even as practitioners, I think there's some. Well, we see this in the clinic. People come to us, and it's just not being looked at enough. So. If there's motility issues with the small intestinal tract, which is, we've talked about this in other podcasts, it's different to peristalsis in your lower bowel. Motility is like a feedback mechanism for this lovely sweeping movement that happens in your small intestinal tract to push that debris along. Always talk about it like this little, you know, broom movement that's sweeping debris, bacteria along. And this only happens as a biofeedback mechanism when i say that i'm talking about your nervous system and Mm. the response that it um without breaking it all down into the nitty-gritty essentially let's just talk about it as a sweeping mechanism not go deeper than that but essentially what can happen very commonly with SIBO and as a precursor is that there can be damage to this motility and that can be We've talked about this in other podcasts too, so go and listen to the SIBO ones as far as how we can have this um, vinculin um, antibody, autoantibody response, which is generally because of some really funky gastro that you've had in the past and your guts have this inflammatory action and then it's trying to clean up the gastro and it produces these antibodies against the gastro but they look similar to this vinculin protein which is really <laughs> mental that our body does this and then it's like make this simple <laughs> i know <laughs> it starts attacking it's it starts attacking itself it damages your motility boom motility not working well we don't have that nice sweeping movement and then yeah. what happens is that we can get this build up so I think last time we talked about this I used the analogy which I always go back to of Naples in Italy and no one collecting the garbage the there's no one coming and collecting the garbage anymore the streets are just full of garbage that's what's happening motility isn't happening as effectively so the garbage is building up which is like the bacteria debris are building up the bacteria numbers are building up not that the bacteria garbage that's a bit nasty but (laughs) We have this build-up. So when you're on the antimicrobials and the diet, you feel better because you're starving the bacteria there and you're doing all the things. But then you're stopping the antimicrobials and then give it X amount of time, which can be anything from a couple of weeks, a couple of months, because you're not cleaning up the garbage and sweeping things along, it just builds back up again, Mm. which is where we need to think about how do we support motility And there is some really relatively simple things that can be done there as far as how you structure your meals through the day if it works for you, um, which I'm not going to go into here, Um, but also supplementation support, um, different tea, beautiful teas that you can be drinking. Your ginger tea is just bloody amazing. Um, There is mechanisms we can do to support motility. And if someone has motility issues, they may need long-term motility support i know i have a client that is like this is is she can get everything right down with her supplement support but she can't really deviate from her motility support because of that motility issue and when that motility is damaged effectively Mm. then that's where we need to take that more seriously and there is actually a test that you can do to test for this um and 
again, I just think it's something that often isn't thought about or given the respect that it deserves. And even with practitioners understanding of doing this SIBO work, but at some point I need to consider the motility of this client. Where is that? As I'm taking them off antimicrobials, mm. where does motility fit into this and how much is needed? So yeah. that's that's my motility rant. Your motility rant. <laughs> I think though, interestingly, just to come back to the client that you were talking about, I'm not sure who that is obviously, but I think too, it's, it's important to probably mention that some people and some people don't, but some people, depending on what some of the underlying irreversible damage may be, will need some sort of ongoing support or cyclical support for SIBO mm-hmm. for all, the majority of their time. You know, yeah. not maybe not forever, maybe things will change. And that's what I say to people. I'm like, there is a chance as we, especially once you get to understand someone's gut microbiome quite well, like I've got some clients that you walk them through the SIBO process and it is a, it is a walk in the park. Like they get mm-hmm. most of their foods back in, majority, majority of things they can still go out and have X, Y, and Z on the weekend and it's not catastrophic for them. They don't actually have any supplements, you know, or maybe they just stay on one little gut pad or something like that because they want to. But you have those clients that are the dream SIBO clients to treat, but mm-hmm. you have the clients, and this is the thing I think that, is very more realistic is that there is going to be some level of whether it's motility support or inflammation support or maybe you know whatever it might be that for some people and again this is where the complexity of SIBO and other overlapping conditions comes in that I don't want to say you just have to accept that you're going to have to continue to work on this but to a degree you do like uh-huh. like I don't you know I don't want to sound like it's all doom and gloom but it's not like well, woohoo case closed everything's done don't take any supplements ignore the fact that you've had SIBO and just walk away from it. Like, unfortunately, with the nature of complex SIBO, where it does bring in other things that it does, you know, even with motility, if motility is the issue, some people are going to need ongoing motility support for the foreseeable future. It's just, you know, and I know it's a hard one because some people are like, I just never, I just don't want to have to take any supplements to support my health. Mm. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, but I think you're just going to have to. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I don't know. I think the compromise sometimes of getting to this point of feeling really well and then thinking, well, maybe I just need to take this particular support, even if it is in a cyclic fashion ongoingly. Like, I know I'd rather do that than just get stubborn about it and go, I don't want to take anything. I shouldn't have to take anything. Sometimes you just do depending on your individual needs. So, you know, even the other... I guess another area in this, which we mentioned before, is is your enzyme function. Like if mm. you don't have quality enzyme function for whatever reason, um, and sometimes this is something we'll see improve with your overall gut work, but if you're not breaking food down as effectively or you have really poor hydrochloric acid secretion. Or bile issues. Oh, bile exactly. Bile yeah. insufficiency. You've had your gallbladder removed. Like if you've got yes. all of these upstream issues already, that that, you know, need or are just potential drivers for this, you need to continue to support those spaces. Like it's yeah. just, unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive part of SIBO is the upstream areas yeah. and what happens. Like how well do you digest your food from the minute it hits your mouth? Yeah. Before it even it. gets to your small intestines, what the fuck's going on with your bile? Do you have a gallbladder? If you do, how well is that whole area working? Your mm. pancreas, yeah, hydrochloric acid, like... How stressed are you when you eat? Yeah. Like really simple things. Like yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And all of these are like really big fundamental 
reasons that we can see recurrent SIBO because they're not supported properly. Like if you if you do have any issues in those areas, instead of thinking, I just need to do another course of antimicrobials, it's like, well, hang on a second. How about if you do have really poor hydrochloric acid secretion or you're eating in a stressful environment on top of that, how about we actually support that area and deal with the underlying reasons again? Let's get those sorted. Or if, as Carissa said, if there's an issue as far as bile flow and needing to support that, like, thinking more laterally about why mm. this is recurring and not just keeping on thinking about just hit the SIBO itself. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the good thing is with those areas, sometimes they do just need some really good support for a while and then things start to shift and change and work more effectively or you're not yeah. in the crazy stressful environment that is impeding all your enzyme function. <laughs> like yeah. Things, yeah. things will change a lot of the time yeah. for people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what about mot- oh, not motility? What about metabolic mold. side of things? <laughs> I keep picking words that start with M. Meta- no, metabolic, man. Metabolic. I was thinking thyroid, your favorite. My favorite little error. Yeah, the, the metabolic side of things, I think, is massive as well. I think even like again telescope lens out but we've got our we've got our metabolic our metabolic things like the thyroid our adrenal things our nervous system like i think far out like i just don't think they can be underestimated or excluded when we're treating any sort of gut condition again this just comes back to holistic holistic and treatment of the body like Mm. you you can't we're definitely at the stage now I, i think even in you know mainstream understanding of the gastrointestinal tract that it's not an isolated system it is so impacted by your nervous system it is so impacted by your thyroid function so therefore it is so impacted by your sleep and your stress and you know just how you feel from day to day so your thyroid's huge like obviously without going too much into that but it does really control a lot of your metabolic rate Mm -hmm. and if your thyroid is struggling like and i just explain it to my client as clients as powered down (laughs) and she may look she may look good on bloods um but if you're if your thyroid for whatever reason is not getting the nutrient support that it needs and it's not getting um and it's not working at the rate that it should be, even if it looks fine from a pathology perspective, it will be having an effect on your gastrointestinal system without a doubt. So we're talking usually, usually sl- slowed motility if we're like exactly. if we've got more powered down thyroid. But you know, I've seen like obviously even for people who have got hyper thyroidism or graves and stuff like that like definitely they've got more that increased ramped up. You know, and it's funny when people I still find it hilarious that people use the terms like like something to speed up my metabolism and something to you know True. you know to, in, in a sense to lose weight and it's just like it's so much more complex than that like you know it's yeah <laughs> sometimes i just scratch my head and i'm like oh man i can't just speed up your metabolism to get you to lose weight like they i can give you something to support your thyroid it's not just going to get you to drop weight though like yeah. that like we're, we're looking we're talking about this really complex human body here like it's yeah. I love that there's still fat blasters marketed as metabolism, you know, speed oh. up your metabolism. I'm just like, fuck me. I don't think they're ever going to go away, right? <laughs> I don't think they will either. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, so the thyroid, obviously very, very important, but adrenals, yeah. all of that stuff. I just, yeah, any of that like biofeedback that starts slowing mm. down that motility. Like there's a mass, there's so, you can see heaps of literature and studies around that link between 
more of that hypothyroidism and yeah, and that interplay between the two. But like you said, it's like that power down, everything's slowing down, and that includes your yeah. digestive function. So if those things are being slowed down, then they're just another reason yeah. to see that increased growth in SIBO again. So as I far think- as... No, you go. Oh, I was just going to say why we're on other like just bod- bodily fun- you know, systems or organs, like also the liver, like far out, like just not the liver in terms of bile production um, and in terms of specific gastrointestinal function, but the liver in terms of how much of a load she has on her mm. in terms of detoxing will have a massive impact on gut function as well. Mm. So whether it's not like we, we wouldn't draw a direct correlation to SIBO, like toxic liver equals SIBO, yeah. but in a, again, telescope out projection, yeah. Yeah. like if your liver is, you know, processing a fuck ton of stress hormones or reproductive hormones, or you've got, you know, um, you've had massive exposures to industrial, um, you know, chemicals or, Mold. Mold. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was like, give her a window. <laughs> oh, there you go. You've had you've had your limelight. <laughs> Lime. <laughs> Green. We will do a podcast on mold, guys. We're not doing it today though. Um, <laughs> but you know, like that essentially does feed into how well your gastrointestinal tract functions. So is does a toxic liver directly influence SIBO in the sense that we look at SIBO not necessarily does it matter in in fact in the overall picture when we're Mm. trying to treat recurrent SIBO absolutely so because again we have to look at all the other influencing factors as to why your gut microbiome and your small intestine and even your large intestine are not doing their jobs efficiently or the way they should be absolutely yeah it's that classic it's not a direct effect it's an indirect effect which yeah indirect yeah common Whereas I think um, you could say like the nervous system direct effect. Absolutely, yeah. Thyroid potentially direct slash indirect. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, hydrochloric acid direct effect. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Sure. The so. only, well, there's probably more, but the other one that I've got just on my list here that I think, again, doesn't get enough Hmm. recognition is the yeast component and I don't mean oh I so want to talk so, about this but I want to talk about this when I talk about my client that we want to talk about okay that I want to talk yeah. to you guys about well, let, yeah, talk. let me have a little spiel and then you can tell us about the client <laughs> so the thing with SIBO is that it's it's really specifically talking about bacteria but we can get yeast overgrowth as well which as prackies will call CFO um, you know we have to put an acronym on everything but you can get the <laughs> This really strong yeast overgrowth occurring and when you're doing the protocol and taking the supplements um, it's not always the most effective treatment mm. for the yeast because yeast is a very different in how it can well behave its resilience and, and also the types of toxins it releases and then really importantly what we would use to get rid of the yeast as far as certain types of treatment protocols with supplements and even how we might modify the diet further so you can be feeling well on a SIBO protocol to a point but if there's a CFO element or just even a yeast overgrowth overall then that's where once you come off these protocols or start tapering things down you keep getting this 
increase um, reactivity. And as a practitioner, that's something really important that we look for and signals and signs of that because that's where we would potentially consider other types of tests. Mm. And again, not being pigeonholed in SIBO going, hang on, do we need to look at some other testing to see if there's some yeast elements instead of banging our head against this wall still? Yeah. And also, I think if we're going to bring up the yeast element, we might as well bring up the oxalate element. Because again, from a microbiome perspective, if we're talking about things that directly aggravate the gastrointestinal tract and Mm -hmm. small and large bowel, like where, you know, where a lot of our nutrients are absorbed in our small bowel and you've got yeast issues with a genetic predisposition to not deal with oxalates well you Mm -hmm. end up with definitely compromised oxalate metabolism and that is another issue in itself but quite often when we're you know looking at SIBO and recurrent SIBO this is where you need to start considering what other elements are at play here like and if you have overgrowth of yeast there's you know there is a chance that then there's going to be an oxalate or an oxalic acid issue mm-hmm. so that's a whole other layering factor which we do have to deal with quite a lot in the clinic hey like oh, just a lot like it's sometimes it's just if you if you don't consider that for someone who has reoccurrent SIBO, you're, you are potentially missing one of the biggest parts of the drivers as to why you can't get this person better or why this client might not be, it just kind of keeps relapsing as well. So yeah. yeah. And even, yeah. I think we said in a SIBO podcast, I feel like I mentioned it, like there's, there's a lot that's been looked at in relationship to methane overgrowth and yeast and them being quite mm. synergistic. So it's kind of even interesting to always consider if you've got SIBO and it is more methane dominant. I always am thinking about, okay, there's more likely that there's a yeast layer mm. here too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, did you want to talk about your client? Yeah. Well, yeah, just, to, I think it'll be a good one because it's probably a really good example of treating SIBO across the space of, I'm going to say maybe four to five years. I feel like I've been working with her. She's had SIBO way before she came to me. Um, Just to give people the idea, like an understanding of the complexity of SIBO, the different ways in which SIBO can be treated from an undergrowth and then an overgrowth of the rest of the microbiome, which I think is really fucking fascinating. Um, But then also the other things that have to have the ups and like the not linear process of how complex SIBO can be. So. And my client came to me, I'm going to say easily, maybe five, maybe 2017, we started working together and she had real quite chronic SIBO there. And they're very classic SIBO as well, where there's, there has been weight loss because of like a lot of, you know, the food restrictions, um, more methane dominant though, I'm going to say like, and really hectic, like Citrobacter, Klebsiella overgrowth, positive SIBO test. All of this was done prior to working with me. She was working with a naturopath and an integrative doctor from memory but had been on, I think, the SIBO biphasic diet for, I can't remember how long, lots of antimicrobials. Yeah, the works basically. So came to me. um, I feel like, honestly, if I'm going to be really honest, we probably spent far out. She'll she'll probably like correct me on this. And if she listens to this, she'll be like, you didn't get the time right. But she wouldn't say like, she's one of the most absolutely lovely humans I know out of on this earth. Um, But I feel like if I'm, giving it justice, we probably spent uh, maybe over 18 months just trying to pull her out of the SIBO biphasic diet. Wow. Like that's yeah. that's how long-term and kind of restricted her diet had been 
um, definitely didn't do well with proteins, anything like that anyway, and just kept testing positive to SIBO, but still working with, I think, the a naturopath or the integrative GP. Anyway, we finally did, um, I think somewhere she phased them out because it was just getting too much because I was like, we can't keep hammering your microbiome with antimicrobials every time you get a positive SIBO test and keeping oh. you in this, this you know, low space. We have to, we have to start diversifying. So I think, thankfully... I'm glad she stuck with me. Um, I'm not saying the other practitioner was doing anything wrong. I just was like, I just feel like like her health was not in a good place. Mentally, this is not a good space for any any person to be in. So far out. And we did a, I think we stopped using antimicrobials. We did a GI effects test. Uh, I think this was by maybe 2000, late 2018, we did a GI effects test. Stool um, test. Stool test for everyone, yep. Um, might have been 2018, maybe 2019. Anyway, um, oh, or maybe we did another CB. Anyway, timing-wise, probably doesn't matter. But at some stage, let's say two or three years ago, we did a we did a GIFX test and we layered that with an oat test from memory. We might have done another mm. stool test before there somewhere. But realistically, we had a positive SIBO test still. We had um, a GIFX test that was definitely indicative of SIBO, just even in a GIFX test, like really, uh, really low short chain fatty acid production though, really high butyrate, uh-huh. um, lots of undergrowth of bacteria, like all the, lots of undergrowth of all of the good commensals, really high bacteroides, lots of issues with fat breakdown. So lots of upstream issues, pancreatics, like pancreatic, like um, elastase issues. Um, yeah, lots of inflammatory markers, like high secretory IgA, um, yeah, so basically we just had this highly inflamed gut with this massive undergrowth. So yeah. I, this is why I'm painting this picture because I want to also just for everyone listening, just so you can understand how much SIBO can transform in two completely different gut micro, in one completely different, one gut microbiome in two completely different spaces. So, yeah. so from this test, we, we pulled back from antimicrobials and we probably had already done this. And I was just like, right, we have to rebuild your gut microbiome. Like this is hectic this is not a this is not a thing that you can keep doing with antimicrobials with other practitioners i can't remember exactly time frame wise where we just decided right we're just going to focus on food and building things back up and obviously there's a lot of psychology stuff involved with that on her end as well because obviously you become so fucking scared of your food like you're so scared of what kind of reaction it's going to cause how much pain it's going to cause um so fuck honestly she is just a champ this chick like she just she i used to say back in the day like you know that you're my little engine that could like she just didn't give up (laughs) ever (laughs) she was like no i'm gonna do this and we'd have our ups and downs days like sometimes like we would just be talking and she was just so down i could so get it and then other times like we'd have little wins and she'd be so happy and i'd be so happy but it definitely wasn't this beautiful fucking process like i had times where uh, we were questioning like what the fuck else is going on here but we just had to trust the process and know that we were rebuilding gut microbiome and it is ups and downs anyway um did all of that um got a lot of good foods back in um definitely not a lot of protein so definitely but a lot of vegetables definitely some starch grains took a long time i think grains have only probably been in the last 12 months if i'm being honest but realistically, we run some more antimicrobials through our gut just to throw a little bit of a more spanner in the works, which is a good thing. But she got her period back, which hadn't had for ages. So we got a yeah. period back. But with a period back came this hectic rosacea and skin wow. thing, which wow. then threw this whole histamine element yeah. over the top of all of it where we were treating histamines. We did a Dutch test, estrogen off the fucking charts. Um, her wow. face was just so like... 
red like she went from having like you know I, I would say more probably androgenic skin to just that estrogen flushing rosacea flushing and all of that so then we were into keeping her gut as stable as we could managing the SIBO we still I think used into antimicrobial cyclically throughout this process just here and there we felt like we needed to um, but nothing hardcore we just maybe do a quick four-week burst of them if we if she mm. could feel like she was starting to get more constipated again and all of that but our big focus was regular period cycle and getting this whole histamine flushing rosacea thing under control which we did but again took fucking time absolute mm. champ she stuck through it and i think it's really important to acknowledge for females and i know with all my skin clients that i work with like the skin is the big one sometimes mm. because yes your gut can be a mess but if your face is doing things that you can't control and you have to go to work every day and i'm telling you not to put products on it yeah. and not to cover it up and your skin therapist is telling you the same thing like that is such a big thing for a female um mm. so stuck through all of that we got her skin back to, back to normal um anyway and i would say for a good chunk of last year we we put her herbs for a period got all this eastern stuff under control and we just for i think six to eight months we probably just sat in a bit of a safe space right so mm. most of her foods were back in including garlics onions all of that bloating intermittent definitely intermittent constipation we both knew that we hadn't finished all the finished the job but fuck it was nice to have a breather and I just bet. sometimes just have a chat with yep. the two of us are like look things things are things are okay they're pretty good yeah. like you've got a period she did so much internal work i mm. shit you not like just i can't even yeah just so much stuff of going to retreats really just working on like putting herself outside of her comfort zone with food and stuff so there's this yeah. was this whole massive process so at the start of this year, we chatted and she's just starting to get a bit constipated again. And like what she was like, should we do another gut test? And I'm like, if you're up for it, I'm up for it. Like, we've had a bit of a breather, but let's just do another GIFX and yeah, see what comes back. Like, honestly, neither of us knew what to expect. It's been now a good couple of years since we've done mm. a gut test because we've done a Dutch test in the middle of all of this. I'm going to say her GIFX test um, it was, I was so excited to talk to her, but I also knew that it, again, I'm not going to say this test in the hands of the wrong person, not mm. in client, but in the hands of the wrong practitioner, um, could definitely have elicited a strict biphasic diet again mm. and a heap of antimicrobials because mm -hmm. we went from having a gut that was severely undergrown so you've got to think we've done work with prebiotics probiotics yeah. we've done all of the gut work so now what we have is a gut that is so overgrown right mm -hmm. which i'm actually more excited about this because yeah. i would much rather work with yeah, overgrowth same. and undergrowth yet i was pumped to tell her like <laughs> i'm like i know this looks shit on paper but essentially what we're now working with and she's like I, she's like i love she's like i was so excited to talk to you she's like because i sent her a her store results beforehand she's like because I knew that you would be so excited. <laughs> so essentially what had improved, what had improved was all of her inflammatory markers are now great. Wow. Acomantia, great. She had no acomantia growth in her first test. Acomantia, yeah. great. Secretory IgA, great. Fat protein, great. Um, short chain fatty acids, all within their reference ranges. Beautiful sitting smack yeah. bang in their center. So, you know, butyrate wasn't ruling the roost anymore. The actual total short chain fatty acid, um, thing had gone from fucking negligible up to halfway through the bar. So in terms of a fun the functionality of her gut and the inflammation status of her gut, 
beautiful. Yeah. But what we now had was this fucking epic overgrowth of yeah. all of the proteobacteria phylums. Like I'm talking sulfurs, oxalates, E. coli. Yeah. Um, and then when we looked at her um, microbial, like the actual, like the pathogens off the scale, like yeah. some of them didn't, but some of them don't. Yeah, fuck yeah. So this is yeah. the interesting thing, right? Yeah. So this is what's so cool about it is that when we did her original test, no yeast, but mm. we did do an oat test at the same time. And the oat test showed um, the Arabinose marker and high oxalic yeah. acid and one of the high genetic oxalate markers. But on her original stool test, because she hadn't been eating any foods for so long, oxalobacter formigenes, fuck all, desulfovibrio, yeah, fuck all, exactly. high methane. This test, high sulfur vibrio, high oxalobacter fumigenes, fuck all methane. Yeah. So we've dealt with a lot of, we had in, in the, in the um, overgrowth profile, like the potential pathogens, obviously, Citrobacter, Klebsiella still kicking around, but our fucking yeast profile, like you've never seen, like yeah. four or five different ones, yeah. right? So yeah. I'm just like, okay, cool. Like this yeah. makes sense. This makes so much more sense now because when we, like we did your original test, we suspected all of these things because you've had zero because you hadn't been eating any of these foods. Yeah, you've, you've given been it that. You've fed it, but in a we good way. We fed it. <laughs> yeah, in a good way. It's like it was and hiding. <laughs> it's like it was all hiding. And that's what I said to her. I'm like, this is the most accurate representation of your gut that we have mm. ever seen to date. Mm. This is what your gut does when you're eating all the foods, you're yeah. relaxed, you're doing all the work, you know, on yeah. the internal stuff. Like this is what your gut actually looks like. So now we can just fucking treat her. Yeah. Like, and, the, and the thing is, I said to her, I'm like, we're not going to, we're not doing low FODMAP. We're not doing SIBO. We're just reducing oxalates. We're reducing sulfur foods. We're keeping your diet the same. We're going to work on oxalate metabolism because genetically mm. you don't deal with oxalates well so we're going to get you doing some saunas we're going to put some binders in there we're not even going to use any microbials yet because we've got you so far let's just yep. do some beautiful mopping up and then we'll just go in and i think now that we understand your gut microbiome as she is she's going to need a lot of work from a SIBO point of view ongoing like this yep. is not something we can just rest in a safe space for two years and go don't worry about it mm -hmm. but how fucking cool is that yeah that's like so that's yeah, and yeah. so like, yes, SIBO, if we were to do a SIBO breath test, I think we could 100% safely, 98% safely say it could still definitely, it would be positive, like just looking at her stool test. But, the, did the SIBO results, like the tests that she did over the years change in like being, you know, really off the charts positive and slightly coming down or did they always sort of I have to pull the them again. Yeah, That's I know there were some hectic serious. ones. Yep. Yeah, I could definitely pull them from back in the day. I think she only did one SIBO test with me. I think the rest of them, but I've got them all on file. Okay, but yeah, yep. but we could definitely pull them. But yeah, yep. like... No, but that's now so good. It really it just, I love it because it just highlights that importance of that whole synergistic relationship yeah. with everything that we talked about. I think like the only we... thing that wasn't mentioned was like a thyroid issue, <laughs> <laughs> like everything else as far as reasons this is happening for her. Yeah. You're yeah. like teased out of this, being able to treat. And the fact that you've gotten her to where she is with her diet her... and diversity yeah. and that, yeah. like just that. I get. I feel for you that feeling. Oh, of those I was results so with all the excited, and that's what I said to her. Like, yeah, I said to her, I'm like, any other practice, not saying any other practitioner looking at this. I said, but if you were to look at just these results solely yeah. and know nothing about where you've come from, nothing about the undergrowth picture versus what we have now, nothing about all the work you've done, like if you were just to look solely at this, it, this test result, you mm. would be 
someone would be freaking out and be going, oh my God, we've got to put you on a SIBO by face. We've got to treat all this stuff. No, no, we don't. Like, yeah, yeah, we have exactly. worked, spent five years building this gut up to this and yeah. now we just need to rein in some of the bacteria. Like literally yeah. what I said to her, I'm like, we've just now got to do a bit of culling, which is yeah. so much easier to work with. So yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, that's but awesome. how exciting. Hey, yeah. like, I was like pumped. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about that whole just case is that you're talking, yeah, five years there. And like I, when years. you first said and that at the still start, work to do. I bet you there was people who will be listening to this when you first even said that were like five years. <laughs> but it really, <laughs> this is this is the thing. Like when you have these chronic gut issues that have been going on for so long, like it is a process of working with someone yeah. and finding that person that you trust and creating that relationship. And, and as Chris has just highlighted, like, five years but look where this person is five years on and how she's feeling and everything she's done and she's probably going to be still seeing carissa in five years from now because chris is her she still has her ups and downs like we all do like sometimes her and i like some like i remember like there were times where we'd be chatting all about seven and there's sometimes when we're just chatting about life and when it just throws shit balls at you yeah like just you know like where you think you're doing well with everything and then something happens like whatever and then your gut has you know there's just there's so much in it like i feel like we've laughed and cried together her and I, <laughs> this, whole, this whole thing and we've, we've pulled our hair out and then we've had these really happy moments and yeah but like it's just and we've still got so much we've still got work to do but i feel like we're in such she's in such a better place because of all the other work she's done yeah. to get to this place sort yeah, of a thing absolutely. like just so much other work she's done wow little champ cool well but yes that's the SIBO that's just a SIBO thing hey like yeah you can have no, undergrowth SIBO and overgrowth like undergrown gut microbiome with chronic SIBO or an overgrown gut microbiome with chronic SIBO and they're completely different and it just <sighs> oh yeah, it's just a beautiful way to kind of show the complexity of everything I just love it like as I said it highlights all those other factors that we need to consider and I think as far as anyone listening to this and thinking about their case and underlying causes and how you go about treating that I think it could be some all of the things we've talked about it might be something as you know simple and inverted commas as dealing with some um, motility issues or or some of the enzyme issues we talked about earlier or it could be something more complex like with this case but the most important thing is giving all of this the respect that it deserves so you Mm. can get to a place where hopefully you aren't a recurrent SIBO situation because there's, you know, plenty of situations I can think about too of clients that have been that recurrent space, but then you put your finger on the pulse and the right area as far as whatever that area is. And it's like, great. All right. We're not dealing with this recurrent flare anymore as opposed to like these larger, more chronic cases that need that management. But this yeah this case really highlights if if she had have just been five years ago just continuing to just hammer 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 with the antimicrobial treatment stuck in that diet with that limited eating i can't even imagine where she would be five years on if she hadn't have this this is how someone gets to like i can now only eat five foods i've got chronic Mm. fatigue i haven't had my period for like you know five six years Mm. so kudos to you rissy <laughs> oh she did all the fucking work honestly she did all the work honestly oh, like, like that's she is honestly one of my faves but yeah she honestly she did not give up like she yeah. definitely had her moments where i'm sure she wanted to throw on the towel and she had the 
like as I would do as anyone would do like why this is so unfair why do I yeah. have to deal with this like yeah. fucking oath like I would have as well and yeah, yeah but she just kept going she's yeah. like no nah, I'm doing this the, I'm doing this the the way that I know is going to get me out to the end so yeah absolutely so well, cool. shall we wrap this baby up? I'll be putting um, show notes in for this other SIBO podcast if you're wanting to learn more about protocols and things we've discussed before. So just head there. We usually end the show with our recos. And as usual, I'm sure Chris hasn't thought about it. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't actually. <laughs> as far as any recommendations. I always, every time I think about it at this point, I keep thinking about what I'm watching on tv because that's pretty much my other passion these days now that it's so cold it's like there's no no outside time um do you know with the bloody cat that sparkles is on it there's a whole story i won't go into about how sparkles is now on a diet because he's so bloody overweight but he doesn't move from the chair in front of the fire like he's just there all the time and now to the point i i look at him and i panic for him like you haven't pissed in like 14 hours so what? you pick him you pick him up and i can't you outside have a fat lazy and cat this you, is hilarious you dump, he's like garfield you dump him under the tree outside and he drops <laughs> his ass and he pisses and then he comes back inside it's like you have to actually dump him on the toilet and he runs back inside and gets back on top of the chair because it's just oh my, oh god. my god so he'd rather give itself a kidney infection <laughs> <laughs> then go outside and pee it's almost like i don't i don't know why it made me think of it but i don't i'm sure like this is again probably showing our age a little bit but that what's eating gilbert grape movie mm-hmm. where they had to like crane the person out oh, that was so just, horrible i know <laughs> but i just had this picture of this crane coming and lifting your <laughs> cat outside sparkles. so he could go to the toilet <laughs> princess sparkles and then back in <laughs> so true you know what i'll recommend in my instagram feed a couple of posts back I've done a recipe drop for a hot chocolate that I've been enjoying mm. now that it's cold. So check it out. It's like a blend of um, <laughs> a lot of things, but it's got like basically a cacao, mesquite, cinnamon sort of thing going on. And it, I, I'm actually like making it in the blender, throwing it in the um, frother, heating it up then I may be pouring it back into the blender and blending it again to get it frothy. <laughs> I actually think I saw you doing that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a process, but you don't have to do all of that. Head to the latest post and I've listed on there how to make it. It's really, really delicious and you can make it without any sweetener. Like the one I posted has got a bit of a chocolate powder with a bit of sweetener in it, but I've made it without that. And mm. the mesquite and the cinnamon, and even if you add a bit of vanilla, just they kind of create these lovely alternate flavors where you can make like a basically a completely sugar-free drink. So give it a nudge because it's bloody delicious. And make sure you yeah, put nice. the chili in because the chili is so good. Yeah, chili chocolates. Mm. Yeah, that's actually, <laughs> I actually feel like I need some other like nice drinks for like the afternoon. Just how like even it's been cold. I know it's not Melbourne cold, but it's fucking cold in Brisbane at the moment. So like, yeah, oh I my saw. God. I've been, um again, I don't have a product to recommend because I've just been like, doing my basic bitch shit um mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks but i am making two nights a week this soup i keep going to post a recipe for it but i'm just over instagram at the moment and everyone needs to do reels and that's a whole rant for another day but <laughs> <laughs> i'm having this whole like i'm i'm not conforming issue with fucking instagram at the moment so that's why i haven't been on there um but anyway <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, our, our favorite. I, I still watch her stuff. Um, anyway, um, but um, oh, I've been making like a roasted, so I roast up leek, cauliflower, and fennel um, Ooh, in the yummy. oven, and then I just fry off some onion and garlic with oil, and then add the roasted veggies to it. Heaps of chicken stock, obviously, like, and then just hot water and blitz it, and it's just a soup we've been doing at night. But it is fucking delish. Like I sim- simple as, but just they're some of my favorite veggies in a soup at the moment. So leek, yeah. cauliflower, fennel. And then just roast the crap out of it and then just fry off your garlic and onion and oil, add your roasted veggies, top up with chicken stock, and then just hand blitz it all. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Do you know what I love doing on top of that, as we did it this week, is getting a block of tempeh and then crumbling mm. it into the pan and frying it till it's so crispy and tossing it with like, like that would a actually bit be of nice. soy, a little bit of maple, a bit of like I put some onion infused oil into it because I had some, but just super yeah. crispy and it's like you put it on top like crunchy bacon bits that would actually be nice because that's the one thing i was like i'm happy with it just the way it was we just had some i had like a um like kind of like a savory muffin but that i'd made into a bread so just that kind of like rosemary and i put heaps of herbs and stuff into so i had that on the side but if i didn't have that i it definitely needed like i'd be like "Mm, what could some texture be the last week i just put like a really nice what's that i always get all these stupid italian cheeses confused but i know you know what it is but it's um, it comes in a long triangle and it's like, Saganaki it's not, or pecorino, no, pe- maybe Pecor- it's pecorino. Yeah. Is it hard and you grate it? It's yeah, not pe- Parmesan. The flavor's no. like not as sharp as Parmesan. It'll be pecorino probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get that from the local fruit shop and it can't, it's an, it's an Italian brand. And I just, yeah. I was grating that over the top of it and that was delicious. Ooh, be but, delicious. Yeah. Yum. But, yum. Yum. Mm, hey, that, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> lady that Chris and I are obsessed with on Instagram, which is the only reason Instagram's any good any these days, yeah, yeah. is this Delaney Rowe. So D-E-L-A-N-E-Y-R-O-W-E. I do repost her stuff sometimes on um, yeah. the JCN Clinic site. She is life right now. Yeah, Chris and I are just in love with her. That That's what reels should be used for. Yeah, and that's what we're in actually. The other, and who's the one that I love? I can never remember her name, but she's the oh, um, one that always does all like the boundaries with work and she always tries to fit the word moist in. Oh, yeah. um, she's <laughs> she's my other favourite. If it wasn't for her and Delaney Rowe and even Hayley Morris to a degree, the one that does all the bits and bobs about the body parts. Honestly, yeah. I don't even think I'd get on Instagram. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm boring, 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 boring. boring. Boycotting Instagram. I think I might need to let my dog out. What's wrong? Hang on. All right, we'll we'll wrap this up. We'll wrap it up. Um, As we said, though, it's SIBO month, so head to the JCN Clinic page. We're going to be sharing so much, and we're going to be doing a whole lot of lives. Um, Check check her all out. Otherwise, um, as always, guys, leave us a review, share this podcast, leave us all of the love, and we'll chat to you next time. All right, talk to you soon, guys. Bye. Bye.